Let me open us up in prayer. Lord, thank you for Friday mornings. Thank you for Fridays. Um, thank you for just the privilege of meeting here. Um, I just pray that you uh, open up our hearts. Lord, just let us all see right through me. It's not about me. It's about you. So, Lord, I pray that you uh, guide us, uh, that you uh, keep us open to, to your direction, and, Lord, stretch our idea of what our purpose is. So, God, thank you. It's your name we pray. Amen. All right. So, name is Blake Pointer. I, I am a work in progress. Um, this, this is really a story about uh, an overhaul. Now, my dad is a mechanic, so that when I think about somebody who's going through a massive you know, change or uh, heart change, then it's like this is kind of the visual that comes to mind. And so, uh, you know, and this has been exhilarating. It's been exciting. It's been scary. It's been humbling. Uh, it's been eye-opening, uh, kind of all at the same time. So what I want to do is I'm just going to share what the Lord has been doing in my life, and hopefully it'll be something that, is, that resonates with you guys and uh, challenges you. Because I have been challenged in a massive, massive way. Uh, God has been challenging uh, the way I think about my purpose. He's been challenging the way I think about my role. And, um, and so I'm going to just, I'm going to kind of challenge it forward. And I'm going to share that with you guys. Uh, and so I think you probably also owe uh, Paul a major thank you. Because uh, I had about 50 pages of notes coming into this uh, morning. And I thought, this had to be a half-day off-site. There is no way I can share all that is happening in my life in 30 minutes or however long I have until you guys walk out, I guess. Um, in fact, I've, I've been journaling. I've been working hard on journaling, and I thought even Colin would be proud of how much I have been journaling because that guy journaled during the foxhole. He journaled constantly. So I've been trying to use that as kind of a model of, of how do I capture what the Lord is telling me. So if I had to... Uh, give a theme for 2018, I would say it's vision. Uh, and it started with physical vision. I literally had, had crossed uh, this unfortunate aging threshold where I stepped into the world of trifocals. Uh, I don't know how many people in here wear trifocals uh, or glasses or any kind. So, you know, it was, this was a pride thing. I just was, I got to a point where I couldn't see. I couldn't see long, middle, and I couldn't read. And my wife said, stop complaining and go get you some glasses. Um, and so I, you know, it was a game changer for me because life just makes more sense when you can see clearly, right? Well, at the same time, oh, and by the way, they're now they're called progressives, which sounds a lot cooler and, and sexier than trifocals. So I've got some new progressives on uh, for you guys. But he's also been, it's also been a spiritual vision journey for me. Um, you know, I'll skip all the messy details, but uh, my spiritual vision has been dull. It's been hazy. It's been uh, blurry. And somewhere down the, the road, and I don't know when and where, but I had turned on Christian cruise control. And I'm going to tell you, that's a dangerous, that's a dangerous thing. And so I had, you know, I don't even, sometimes you don't even realize it. My spirit was numb. Uh, I was starting to ask questions and not for the right reasons, right? Even questions like, who am I? What am I doing? Why am I here? And not just, you know, why am I here personally or professionally, but even convoy. Like, what am I doing here? Why do we get up at five in the morning to, to participate in something like this? And so what I realized was that, I, you know, we talk about producing fruit. I was making synthetic fruit, which is disgusting. 
There's, you know, I was going through a lot of the motions, but it was not with the right heart. And so I had a, I had a moment, you know, I don't, I don't, I can't, there's not many kind of moments that I can go, that really was a game changer. But I had a moment that really is the catalyst of, of this journey for me. And so I was running and uh, listening to a, an audio book. Uh, from one of my favorite authors. His name is Bob Goff. Uh, I just love what the Lord is doing in his life. He's, he's a fantastic guy. And he, and I don't even know if this is where he was going with this, but he said, he asked the question and kind of it was, again, it was the middle of a bigger idea, but he said, do you want to build a castle or do you want to build a kingdom? And so um, at first I thought, what does that mean exactly? You know, I, I really kind of just kept on going. And then you know, as he began to talk, the Lord started to really open my eyes, and he said, no, 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 Blake, he's asking you, do you want to build an earthly castle, or do you want to be a part of building my kingdom? And I'm going to tell you, I thought, I don't really understand the significance of that question, but I know it's big, and I just have this eerie feeling that I'm building a castle. And so I literally stopped there kind of emotionally, physically, uh, finished the run, but, and I started to marinate on that idea. What does it mean to build a castle? What does it mean for me to build my castle versus be a part of uh, building God's kingdom? So let me, let me unpack that for you just a little bit. So if I'm going to build my castle, it's all about my accomplishments, all about my treasures, my job, my assets, my accolades. It's all about me. But if I'm going to be a part of building God's kingdom, it's built with love and grace and humility and peace, and ultimately it's built on, on the cross. In my castle, I've got a moat around it and a drawbridge. You know why you have moats? To keep anybody out that doesn't look, feel, smell, or sound like you. So I was a, it was an, my castle is an exclusive club, and, uh, and it's not easy to get in. But if I'm going to be a part of building God's kingdom, it's, there's no borders. It's free. Everybody is invited. In my castle, I, you know, castles are all about the big, thick walls, right? Because it provides safety. And I love to sit on top of the wall and think about how safe I am. But in God's, in God's kingdom, it's hands-on. It's with the people. In fact, God was equal status with, or Christ was equal status with God, and he decided to humble himself and come and walk with us. In my castle, I have this awesome tower because it shows you my stature, shows you how, how important I am, my status, and I like to look down on everybody. But in God's kingdom, it's ground level. It is literally, it's a posture, it begins with a posture of humility and love and gratefulness, and it's looking up. So kind of in summary, my castle, all about me. I'm the focus where I am, that's where my castle is. And it's temporary. That's why there's a sandcastle up there. God's kingdom, it's eternal. It's all about him. It's wherever God is. And so I'm, you know, I'm a little embarrassed to say that even though I've been a believer for a long time, I think I've spent much of my life building a castle, building my castle. And I don't know why. Um, I think probably it's, you know, some of it's I think too much, too highly of myself. Some of it's probably because I don't really understand what it means to build a kingdom, to be a part of building God's kingdom. But I may have realized for the first time through this process that God is in the kingdom building business. And he tells us all throughout scripture. And so I'm going to reference a ton of scripture. 
and don't worry, I've got, I'm gonna I'm gonna give some stuff like just my notes. So you know, if you want to take notes, great. If not, I'm gonna I'll give you all this. So don't want you to worry about it because I'm gonna bounce through a bunch. But Psalms 103:19, the Lord has established His throne in heaven, and His kingdom rules over all. Matthew 6:33, but seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. He also warns us about a castle, building castles. He says in Matthew 6, 19 through 21, he said, don't hoard your treasure down here where it's going to get eaten and corroded and stolen. He said, the place where your treasure is, is the place you will most, most, most want to be, and it is where you end up being. So I know where my treasure is, and unfortunately, it's in my castle. <laughs> and so um, how many people grew up in a family business or currently have a family business? Good? Yeah? Well, I'm going to tell you, God is in the family business. And his only desire is that we follow him and join the family business. In fact, he tells us his plan all along was to pass down the family business. He wants us to inherit the kingdom. He tells us in Matthew 16, 19, he said, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. In fact, I love the message version. He says, you will have complete and free access to God's kingdom keys to open any and every door. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool if you think about it. Um, in fact, he even says, and guess what? I built it with you in mind. I was already thinking about you. He said in Ephesians 1, 4 through 6, long before I laid down the earth's foundations, he said, I had you in mind. I had settled on a place to focus my love. That, that is awesome. And so that led me to my natural next question, which is, if I'm going to choose to be a part of building God's kingdom, what's my role? What's my, what's, what, what part do I have to play in this? And so, I, and of course, part of this journey for me is I've been asking God a lot of questions. And thankfully, he has not, um, you know, punished me for it. I mean, he's literally, this has been an open dialogue. And so usually when I want to know my role in business, I will go in, look at my client, and I'll say, well, what do you need? Where are the gaps? And then I will come in and try to fill those gaps. Um, so I did the same with God. I said, let me look at what you need. And he said, I'll tell you what I need. I'll tell you in Hosea 6.6, 6, he said, I don't want your sacrifices. I want your love. He said, I don't want your offerings. I want you to know me. So in, in, in summary, he said, I don't need anything. I don't need you. I don't need your help. He said, I'm not looking for your help. I'm looking for your heart. He said, I need you, Blake, to stop moving to move away from agreeing with me, from just acknowledging me, to obeying me and knowing me. And so, again, easy to say, more difficult to do. So then I came back to the same question. Okay, you don't need my help. You don't want my offerings. You don't want my sacrifice. What do you need? What's, what am, what's my purpose? What am I supposed to be doing here? And I know that purpose is critical to men. Um, it's because it's the way God made us. We are we are designed for action. We are designed for purpose. We are desperate for purpose. And so what action do I take? And that's when God said, you know what? Your God-given kingdom purpose is to convoy the people I've put in your life and to do it together with other Christian men. And so I just, I thought, okay, well, what does that mean exactly? And so um, I have uh, been spending some time really thinking about what does it mean to convoy the people in my life. Um, a lot of times, and you guys have seen some of this in the emails, but a lot of times, you know, this is the way I feel when I start thinking about convoying. 
because uh, we think about convoy in the noun form, which is a group of vessels, you know, selling together. But at the end of the day, I felt like, well, where am I going? What am I doing? Am I like these people that are as happy as they can be, but guess what? Current, they're going with the current. They're going wherever the wind blows them. And so I thought, you know what? That is, I'm not settling on that. That is not, exact, that is not what God wants for me. That is not my purpose. And so thankfully, God takes things in your life, and he, 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 lets you, he uses that to open up your eyes or to teach you something, and he always dumbs it down for me. So he said, okay, you're, you're complaining about convoy. Dive a little deeper into convoy. See what you find. When I was looking, uh, I realized that convoy, actually, its original form was a verb. And it was, a, it was about a vessel or vessels convoying something of great value. So in this case, convoy was escorting, protecting, flanking, guiding, serving. And so that's when it started to really become clear to me that, you know, it's not you know, convoying together is very, very important, but convoying the people in my life, that's, that's what, that's part of my purpose. That's what God wants me to do. And um, he said, you know, I don't, I may not need your help, but my people do. My people need you to convoy. And, you know, it, it this is the way I felt. Um, I felt like this tugboat trying to com- escort, you know, a cruise line with 4,000 people on it. It's pretty much impossible, right? And so, I, you know, I didn't push back, but I just said, okay, I need some help. I need you to tell me, tell me more about this. And he said, well, I, I gave you instructions in Mark 12, 29 through 31. He said, love the Lord your God, God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second was, love your neighbor as yourself. And, and again, that last line is, is probably one of the most important. It says, there is no commandment greater than these. So let's just stop there. That means, yes, these others are important, but once you see if you can comprehend those first two, and then we'll go to the next. And in and, and full transparency, it's like, okay, I understand the idea of, of loving God. I mean, God is God, right? Creator of the universe, made all things, the Alpha and the Omega. I can understand why Jesus would say, love God. But I've been struggling on the neighbor part. Who is my neighbor? Because, uh, you know, in my mind, my neighbor is Miss Stephanie, Juan and Chad, all of whom which I gratefully, you know, I'm grateful for and I love them, but God said, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about everybody in your life that surrounds you every day. Okay, well, who is that? Well, your spouse, your children, your family, your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, your teammates, strangers, even your enemies. I'm telling you, you are to love everyone like you love yourself. You're to love everyone the, the way Jesus did. And so, like this tugboat, I, I really believe, and this may sound controversial, it's impossible. It's impossible for us to love, to convoy the people in our life the way Jesus uh, wants us to, and to do it on our own strength and in our own power. And that's when God said, good news. I'm giving you free and unlimited access to me so that you can have the heart. And he said, notice I'm not telling, saying skills, so you can have the heart to convoy the valuables I put in your life the way I intended. Because this is a heart thing, just, just in case you didn't know. It's not a skill thing. And so he said, in fact, I'm going to give you a blueprint. Blake, he said, I want you to abide in me so that you can be transformed into my image, so that you can love or convoy the way I intended, 
so that you can recruit and reproduce more men to fulfill their purpose in my kingdom. Okay? That's a lot. So let's, let's take one of those at a time. And he said, and let me just make sure you're, we're clear on something. Abiding is the only thing you have the power to do. It's the only thing you have the power to choose. This idea of being transformed into my image or loving or reproducing, that's all powered by me. That is a byproduct of abiding. So don't skip the, the first step, most important step, which is what I'd realized I'd been doing for a long time. And so what does it mean to abide in Christ? Uh, this is where I started with uh, my favorite verse. This is my son and I, this is our theme verse, John 15, 5. And everybody's heard it. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me or abide in me, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do, my son and I at the same time go, nothing, just to make sure we're clear. And so, you know, of course, abiding, we could spend our lifetime trying to understand what does it mean to abide in Christ, and we should. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip to the trap. I'm going to tell you that a lot of times in, in men's ministries, we talk about the trap of isolation. What I think the most dangerous trap is isolating ourselves from the Lord. Because I think we often, I often mistake attendance and activity for abiding. I literally can be, I can be front and center at every convoy, every foxhole, every mosaic, every community group, and still be isolating myself from the Lord. I can still have a disconnect from what we're the real power source. In fact, and so God says, if you do not abide in me, then I will disable your ability to convoy. Like, you can't do it. In fact, I, he said, I didn't sugarcoat it. I said, apart from me, you can't do anything. And so he said, but don't, don't, don't dwell on that part, because I also said, if you will abide in me, if you will remain in me and I in you, you will, not can, not might, not could, but you will bear much fruit. And so, you know, I, I, I'm just going to say, okay, I'm going to claim his promise and say, okay, if I will abide, he guarantees me that I will bear fruit. I will abide, I will do that. Um, and the fruit of the Spirit is what enables us to convoy people in our life the way Jesus convoyed. Um, abiding will position us for real change, for heart change, and ultimately for transformation. So what does it mean to be transformed? God wants us to be transformed into his image, Jesus Christ, so we can hear and see him clearly. So he tells us in Romans 12 too, he said, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then and only then will you be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So it's only when we are abiding in Christ that this transformation process is even possible. Again, only thing we can control is the first step, which is leaning in and abiding. And what's so cool about abiding is that being transformed, when you're being transformed, you start to see people the way Jesus does, just even a glimpse. Um, and it really is, it's amazing. You know, he talks about in 2 Corinthians 3, 16 through 18, he said, and so we are transfigured much like the Messiah, so being transformed, our lives gradually become brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives, and we become like him. We start to see people the way he sees them. It gives us a glimpse into his eternal perspective. Um, and the way internal uh, transformation man externally manifests itself is love. And so he said, and that's my greatest commandment. So let's talk about what does it mean to love the way Jesus loves. We talk a lot about love. I mean, I, I really, I could, I could have 
I could have stayed in this space forever because, you know, I thought I understood love. I mean, that's a common word, right? But not, not the way Jesus thinks about it. And so this is where, this was kind of been part of the journey. It's, and I realized that only through this transformation process can I start loving the way Jesus loves or convoying the way Jesus convoyed. Uh, and so, you know, his greatest commandment is love. Well, why? I mean, I, I asked him. It's like, you got a lot of other great fruit. Why is love the number one thing? And he said, it's because I prioritized it. I set the standard using it. And so my first thought was John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. I mean, he freely and undeservingly and infinitely gave it to us. Um, I had an old guy uh, recently that heard me say, my father-in-law was there, um, God should be, you know, he's probably ashamed of me. And I don't remember the full context. I think we were making fun of my son or something. But um, this old man grabbed me by the, you know, kind of got up close about a foot from my face. And he said, son, he said, God, before you were ever, you ever existed, he said, God thought about you. In fact, he said, you know what? I want to have a relationship with him. Son, God, Jesus, get over here. He said, I want you to go down and die for him so I can have a relationship, so I can get to know this guy. And I thought, as creepy as this is, he's leaning in about a foot from my face. He was spot on. God had us in mind. He knew love before the world existed. And it began with him sacrificing his son so he could know us. It's funny, funny, funny moment. There's a bunch of funny moments in that little interaction with this man. Um, But here's the thing. His commandment is unfulfilled if the love stops with us. So we know he's going to love us unconditionally, right? He tells us that he's already proven that. But he wants us to reciprocate it back, right? He says, love their father. And he wants us to freely and extravagantly give it to others. I love Ephesians 5, 1 through 2. He said, watch what God does and then do it. Like children who learn proper behavior from their parents. Mostly what God does is love you. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. He said his love was not cautious but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something but to give everything of himself. He said love like that. That's how you love. But I think Jesus knows love doesn't come natural for us. So he gives us a detailed explanation in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. I won't read it all, but you know it. Love is patient. Love is kind does not envy, does not boast, not proud. What's the last verse? Love never fails, right? So he said, Blake, I'm going to go back to your question. You asked, why is love the, my number one, the top two commandments? Like, why do I focus so much of it? Simple. It never fails. It always works. He said, abiding in Christ, abiding in me, so you can be transformed will unlock your ability and desire to love God and then love other people. It'll help you love people the way Jesus loved them. Um, and so, you know, he tells us in 1 Corinthians 16, 13 through 18, he said, keep your eyes open, hold tight to your convictions, give it all you've got, be resolute, and love without stopping. He said, if you will love without stopping, <clears throat> the hearts of men can change and ultimately be released into a broken world. He said, I'm big on reproducing. And so I camped out and reproducing for a little bit. And I'll just hit some highlights. Uh, what I learned is by design, God is big, and there's power in reproducing. 
In fact, you go all the way back to Genesis, whether it's the, the creatures of the sea or Noah and the creatures on the, on the ark or even Noah's family, you know, about being fruitful and increase. He talked about love being reproduced and he compared it in John 12, 24 to a grain of wheat. And so if you will, if you will die to yourself, basically bury yourself, he will sprout you and he will infinitely grow you. And part of that is that reckless love that he talks about. But I think he wrapped up his desire for reproducing in the Great Commission. I think that was the, if you think about the bookends here, and that's when in Matthew 28, 18, he said, I'll just hit some highlights, go out and train everyone you meet far and near in this way of life. Instruct them in the practice of all I have commanded you. And since Jesus is our model and we're to become like him, we are to carry forward this idea of, of you know, sharing Christ to reliable and competent leaders. Paul is a great example of reproducing Timothy by encouraging Timothy, and he tells us in 2 Timothy 2, 1 through 7, like, throw, your work, throw yourself into this work for Christ. He said, pass on what, I've heard from, uh, what you've heard from me to reliable leaders. I believe, as I'm diving into this idea of convoy, Paul knew his purpose in building God's kingdom. He knew it was to convoy the valuables in his life, and God loves men who convoy. I really, really wholeheartedly believe that. Um, but he, he said it is, it is critical that you don't convoy alone. Um, I love when I think about team, you know, all blacks are a great rugby team, right? And everybody always goes to uh, the, the war dance, which is super cool. If you've never watched it, Google it. Uh, it gets you fired up, and I can see how it'd be intimidating to other teams. But I think this is a better image of what their team really means. This is a, a scrum. This is where they are literally on the ground together, locked arms, and they are in the power of that unit is pretty remarkable. Um, God never planned for us to convoy alone. He wants us to, and Paul tells us this all the time, to encourage us by spurring and provoking one another. Hebrews 10, 24, 25, he said, spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as we are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another. See, it's action-oriented. True manhood is built on action. We are hardwired to do life together. Even, let's go back to the model, right? Even Jesus did life with a small group of men. And yes, he prioritized God, and he was available uh, to all the brokenhearted and poor in spirit. So he never didn't do that. But at the end of the day, his entire ministry involved convoying a small group of men all the way through the cross and the resurrection. In John 20, it gives me chills. He came back after he, ro he rose to his foxhole to see him. That is cool. So Jesus knew there was power in small groups where love for God, love for your neighbors, and love for each other were the focus. Because that's, that's the purpose of our foxholes. And our idea is... Um, you know, to be authentic and transparent and to have genuine trust. And I'm going to blow your mind a second. I believe foxholes, if you hadn't already thought about this, have a generational impact. It's not just about the 10 guys in your group or 15 guys in your group. You know, if you pray and love and protect someone in your foxhole, not only does it impact them, but it impacts their family and everybody in their life, which impacts everybody in their life, and now all of a sudden you see the power of what the foxhole can do. Convoying together creates spiritual ripples that can protect, flank, and love for generations. 
And I love this image because imagine somebody trying to attack that front carrier with that group behind them. You know, we hear that, we have that quote of Satan loves vessels that sell alone. Well, we don't have to sell alone. We can have that kind of visual power in our lives. So I'll close. Um, I'll start with the question that I started with uh, that I'm still working through, which is, why am I here? What am I doing? And I'll tell you kind of where I am now versus um, where I was. I'm here because I want to join the family business. I want to be a part of building God's kingdom. And I'm going to tell you, I have had a glimpse of what that means. So that's a lifetime exercise. I'm here because I want to convoy the valuables that God has put in my life the way he intended, the way Jesus convoys. And again, I haven't been doing that right. So that will be a lifelong exercise. Um, and I know that I don't, I'm not supposed to do it together. Um, so at the end of the day, God has been really pushing me on what is your purpose, Blake? What's your role? You know, you know I don't need you, but, but my people do. And so you got to decide, do you want to build your castle or do you want to be a part of building my kingdom? Um, so thank you for listening. I really appreciate it.